Hello, and welcome to today's edition of the Genesis Man podcast. We're going to be talking to Yahaya Barua about his first book, Struggles of a Dreamer. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, here is part one. Yahaya Barua. Yes. All right. All right so, uh, uh, you know, it is uh, definitely so good to actually uh, finally get a chance to meet you. Um, obviously, our connection is that um, your mom works with my wife at Mount Sinai. Right. So, so that's how that's yeah. how it is. That's how the connection um, got. And uh, when I was writing my book, um, I remember that uh, you had written some. You'd written a book, and um, uh, my wife Francine had uh, she purchased two copies, I guess, through your mom. Um, right. And so, um, as I was trying to like work through things, I was like figuring out, you know, um, I had a couple of questions, right? And and I was able right. to reach out to you, and um, you're able to be very helpful. Um, and that's kind of how the the connection got started. So um, I'm really glad that we we're able to kind of make that connection. Um, and so, um, I mean, well. Just before, like we do anything, I uh, I know I have a copy of your um, uh, your bio, but I mean, just for the sake of uh, you introducing yourself a bit, so um, would you just be able to tell me a little bit about, say, maybe um, education? Uh, you know, what do you do? Just a little bit about you. Um, okay. Or I kind of get some questions going there. I. Well, first, I want to say how grateful I am for the opportunity and to actually be the very first person on your podcast. I think that's a huge privilege. So thank you for allowing me that. And, um, you know, it's really nice to connect with you, obviously, with the circumstance of the world right now. You know, we can only connect virtually. So I think that's good as gold anyways. So my name is Yahaya Barua, and uh, I'm the author of Struggles of a Dreamer. The battle between a dream and tradition. And um, I came from Nigeria in 2001. I was 12 years old when my mom, my dad, my siblings, and I, we all arrived. And um, we've been here ever since. And, uh, you know, my journey as a novelist began back when I was in my second year at York University, as my as did my career as an entrepreneur as well. Uh, but that one started a lot earlier than that but i'm sure it's something that we can go into later on and as we have a conversation mm -hmm. but um you know what i really do is quite simply i write produce and market easy to read inspirational novels and um through my own publishing company tapestry house publishing and that whole journey began back in 2009 when I wrote my first book at 21 years old, started my own publishing house and began selling my books door to door, all with the mission at the time to start by inspiring 1 million people with the courage to take a chance on themselves to do what they are afraid to do today, that they may have the courage to, uh, so that they may have the courage to do what they are afraid to do today, that they may, um, you know, live a life of, um, no regrets later down the line. So it's like providing that um, that 
the 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 courage to actually take that first step. The book doesn't necessarily, you know, get you from point A all the way to point B, but it gets you going. It mm. inspires you in that regards. And so, um, and we're gonna, we're gonna get into that because I have some questions about the book and some of your sure. motivation and, and the writing process. Um, but I'm just out of curiosity, just to get into know you a little bit. So, what do you do besides writing in in your spare time? Like, uh, like what what do you do? What do you like to do? Uh, per- professional wise, or just something as pers- like pers- personally wise? Like, you you know, you do you watch Marvel movies? Like, what do you, what do you like to do? What's your I- thing? Um, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm a bit of a gamer. I love video games. For example, this is one of my favorite ones, Battlefield. Okay. Uh, I got Spider-Man, so a bit of Marvel. <laughs> right, and I'm also playing God about. of War. I haven't started this yet, but um, I'm also a bit of a whole school gamer. I have the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, wow. So it still works perfectly. Uh, and still have some game I haven't beat yet. So I really love to play video game, but I also am more of a strategy kind of guy where um, in addition to video game, I also play strategy games like Age of Empires and whatnot or Tropical, which are games that are very, very essential, I think, for life because it forces you to think on how to utilize the little resources that you have to complete the missions that are in front of you. And oftentimes those missions are very difficult. But what I um, love to do aside from playing video game, of course, I spend a lot of time with family. But obviously with this whole thing that's going on, you can't really do that as much. But um, I love to watch documentary and I love to learn a little about a lot. So a lot of people... You know, naturally, being novelist, people just expect you to be the, the most avid reader. Believe it or <laughs> not, right, I'm right. not an avid reader. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie about that. I'm not. <laughs> but I gather information differently. Yeah. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I pay attention to what's going on around me. It's kind of like yeah. King Solomon, you know, in the Bible saying, look at the ant, how she labors, you know, pay attention to see how she do stuff. You'll learn a lot. So it's kind of yeah. like, Wisdom can be derived from different areas in life. Mm. And if you pay attention, you'll find that there's a lot to be learned from just paying attention. So that's why I love to play a video game because I learn a lot. And, you know, just mm. by watching YouTube videos, documentaries, you learn a lot because you get to interconnect different ideas to make innovative ideas. Mm. And so you mentioned about the pandemic. How how are you? And just small talk here. But how how are you coping with the pandemic? Right. How are you dealing with everything? I'm not gonna lie. Pandemic has been really hard on me, and uh, especially on my business, it has been. But yeah. at the same time, it's also a really really big blessing as well because because of the pandemic, I've been able to derive really effective marketing campaigns that I will be implementing and. Uh, I've also learned, had a lot of opportunity, and I've had the opportunity to fail a lot, especially in the area of Facebook marketing, um, Instagram marketing and whatnot. Now I know that, you know, those don't, like, I know what's working and I know what's not working. Mm-hmm. And I finished my third book finally. And wow, um, like, it's been written and everything, but I never got to, like, go through the production process because I was always on the road marketing my book. And now yeah. it forced me to actually stop and do what I needed to do. 
Yeah, okay, but great. it's also been really hard mentally as well, mm. to be honest. Yeah. 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 Because you're um, excited a lot. I, uh, so I'm, I'm a high school teacher. Um, so uh, one of the things that I found the hardest about the pandemic is that um, is when I'm teaching online um, right. and uh, the students are not required to turn on the cameras. So you're teaching right. ah. out. You you don't realize how much you feed on visual cues and feed. Yeah. So like you know I could uh, you know, I'm in the classroom but I look at a student I know when they've gotten something you know I, right. I I know how to switch I know how to move but then it's it's had right. kind of like a different element you know what I mean so right. it's 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 interesting how much uh, visual cues are necessary in communication which is oh, a weird thing right. to say Absolutely. talking to a writer but I, but right. um that that's one of the things so and uh, there's been like a lot of uh, there's been a lot of um, changes, you know, um, a lot of things change very quickly all the time. And I, right. I wonder as a, as a teacher, if part of the thing that's kind of in my makeup is that I like things to be a certain way all the time. I have a set curriculum that I deliver. I deliver right. this at a certain time. I have to get through right. it at a certain time. So there's always, there's always this, this uh, continuum that's flowing all the time. Right. So. Uh, so with uh, being at school, then being online, and then um, switching from like a semester system to a quadmester system, just a lot of change. But you know, right. you know what? Um, it's been so good um, being at home with family and um, um, being having some, I, I guess, extra time to work on different things. So um, right. that's been, uh, you know, something uh, positive, I think, with with myself. I wrote Struggles of a Dreamer in 2009. And at the time I was 21 years old, I was in my second year at York University. And that's where it all began, you know, in terms of my adventure as a novelist. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I find, what I'd like to actually uh, uh, hear from you about is, um, I mean, what is the, the writing process like um how did that first book develop because the first book is usually a very special thing like how did that right. how did that develop so the first book uh came about first it came about out of my own desire to want to you know do something bigger than i've ever done before at the time and um like I was mentioning earlier, I became an entrepreneur back in 2007. And throughout that time, I was trying different things and nothing was really for me. And then eventually I started a blog where I would post a quote, a day, quote of the day, your highest quote of the day, motivational and positive attitude quotes where, you know, share quotes from successful people, what, you know, the world considers successful people mm. and just share their quotes and I'll write my thoughts on them on their sayings and whatnot. And um, in 2009, I remember I decided I wanted to do something big. So I decided I wanted to write a book as a way to inspire 1 million people with the courage to want to take a chance on themselves, to do what they are afraid to do in life, that they may take a chance to actually get started on it without letting the fear of failure or resentment or fear of criticism stop them from getting started. But 
the thing was, I didn't really know what I was going to write about, but I knew that I wanted to write this book and I hadn't written a book before. So, mm. so you said you had not I, written a book before? No, that was my first book, Struggles of a Dreamer. And um, so I didn't know what I was going to write about, but then fortunately my dad and I had a misunderstanding at the time I didn't see what the benefit was, but he thought being a first person that being a first person to know that I was writing a book, he thought I was going to abandon school to write a book. So mm. he came to my room and all he said was, you must go to school. And then he walked away. I misinterpreted what he said to mean, I don't support you in the writing of a book, especially at the time he didn't acknowledge that I wanted to write a book. And I thought I was a big deal. I'm like, wow, I've decided I'm going to write a book. But again, with the whole thing about expectations, right? So that led me to be resentment towards, uh, resentful towards who I thought my dad was being. And, but in that same moment, in my anger and resentment, I was inspired with the idea um, for what to write about, kind of like my aha moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got the idea. Kid wants to go for his dream. His father says no. And that became the battle between a dream and uh, tradition. And that was all I knew in the story. And all that anger, the resentment was packed into that, that statement. And I started to write the book from there. But everything else just kind of developed from there. And that's where the story came from. It that's just evolved over a period of year. So, I mean, did you ever do any creative writing in high school or anything like that? Or did you like to write or anything like that? No. I just kept a blog. That's it. It wasn't okay. anything sophisticated. And I would just write my thoughts on those quotes. And that's it. It was just really the desire and the discipline to really just want to get it through. It's interesting, yeah. And uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and on top of that, as an entrepreneur, I really had the drive, and still do. I really had the drive that I uh, to start my own publishing house because I would look on Forbes list, and all of these people who the world considers to be successful, they always have their own companies. They always they were founders of something. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna start my own publishing house. And that was my drive. And writing my book was my first, you know, sort of product to get going with. And so I needed to do it right. And, but what I was doing at the time, I was always reading a lot. So as an entrepreneur in 2017, sorry, 2007, I was always reading, like reading The Richest Man in Babylon or reading, reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So self-help, traditional uh, self-help, um, fiction and self-help non-fiction I'll be reading and different books as well and again documentaries and listening to um, you know uh, people's stories and whatnot so all of those things accumulated into helping me to put a story together mm-hmm. and of course meeting a lot of successful people who are successful in their respectful field so so here you are now so you've written the book um, and so when I uh, talked to you, I spoke to you on the phone, you were telling me a bit about how you were marketing. And it's, it's right. very unorthodox because that's not usually how people, <laughs> that's not how people sell books. But right. I don't know, maybe you want to just explain kind of how you went about in like marketing that first book. 
and you would tell you would tell me sure. how you went kind of door to door, which is, you know, Absolutely. wow. Absolutely, and um, and a little bit of a backstory here. So, having started my own publishing house, I didn't have the money to get started. So I worked as a security guard for about eight months to save up the money that I needed to pay the people I was working with, like freelancers, book editors, uh, cover designers, and of course a printer. And I had my first 500 books printed. So I was like, I don't know how to market a book. I never researched that. Well, I did, but I didn't. The research I was getting, the answers that I was getting were, were not really answers that really resonated for me and what I knew I was capable of doing. And uh, to be honest, I just, and another thing, I'm the type of person that if everybody's marching to the beat of that drum mm. and I see a lot of people marching to that drum, I always psychologically think to walk the other way, you right, know, right. obviously within reason, you know, if there's a fire the other way and it's dangerous, then I won't go. Right. But what I'm saying is now that you wouldn't walk the other way. The I fire. tend to question, right. <laughs> you know, unless I need to roast a popcorn or something, but like, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that <laughs> I, by nature, it's a bit of a rebellious part of me, respectful rebellious, you know, I tend to question where I tend to question the masses in that because psychology, psychologically, people tend to go on the path of least resistance. And usually there's a lot of people that go towards that end. And that makes me question, why should I follow that situation where it's not really clear to me as to why I need to go that way? And if it's clear to me and it's to my benefit, then I'll go there if it's in alignment with where I want to go. So mm. part of the reason why I went door to door was, one, because it was what I had experience with. I used to raise money door to door for Plan Canada, World Vision, and, you know, where you do a sponsor mm. kid program for $25 a month. I used to be that annoying guy to show up at people's door and just, hey, <laughs> would you like to sponsor a kid? Honestly, or just stand on the streets of um, Toronto asking people to sponsor a kid. I was that guy. So I had experience going door to door. And it was the time I wanted to start a car, um, a power washing business. So I put my power washer in a cart, shopping cart, pulling it door to door, knocking on people's door saying, hey, and a power washer eavesdrops or something like that. So I would do that. So I was mm -hmm. comfortable doing that, but I was also uncomfortable because it was a new product and I was a guy behind it. I didn't know how to talk about my story, but I had to go. So I went door to door because it was something that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was had the books just sitting there and I couldn't get a summer job. So I'm like, why not? Let's go. And that was the time where I started to take my career as a novelist seriously. And that's when I started to really remember why I had started out. So having gone door to door was really difficult because the first few days, I would just show up and just be like, uh, uh, I'm just an author. I'm a neighbor from down the street and I'm just going around telling my neighbors about my book. Yeah. I would just wing my way. From ineffectiveness, I eventually grew to become extremely effective to sell my book. So when I was going door to door, the first day, I sold to my neighbors. Everybody mostly knew me. I'm just a guy from down the street at this point at my house. And I sold 10 copies that first day. So I was like a good motivator. But the second day, I was further from my house. So I sold three copies. Next day, I sold maybe two or three. And the next day, so that was my average for weeks 
three, four, three, four, maybe five. That was my highest. That was for weeks because mm. I didn't know my story and I was afraid. But as I got better, year one and then year two, summer two, rather, because I would go in the summer, but occasionally I went in the winter and I'll tell you a story about that. It was absolutely crazy. <laughs> oh, but like I went door to door, but then eventually I started to learn that when people say no, it's not about you. They don't, they're not saying no to you as a person. They're saying no to them, to them, to you and what you're offering saying, this is not for me. I don't want to waste your time, nor should you waste your time with me. I'm the wrong targeted customer. Move on. And second, I'm an honest interruption in their day. So if they say no to you, it's in a way my fault. It's not that they're bad people. And then third, it taught me to really talk about my story, but very concisely. So I went from talking two, three minutes to talking in like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. I was just knocking the door and be like, I'm sorry to bother you. My name is Yahaya Barua. I'm an author. Who's just going around, uh, tell my neighbors about my book. It takes one minute. Please take a look. And I put the book in their hand. That's the magic. Once they, when the book goes into their hand, they're targeted. They're interested. Because you will not take a product unless you want to learn more. And if you want to learn more, you're more likely to buy. Hence, your ratio goes up. When mm. they don't take the book, I know they're not interested and they tell me no right away, and I run to the next door. So mm-hmm. my sales went from three to four to five to 30 in one per day. day. Per day? Yeah. It, wow. Per day. So the highest I've ever had in one day was 30, and my average over the course of that period, as I was really good, was 25 to, uh, sorry, 20 to 25. A bad day is 20, uh, 15 to 20 mm-hmm. copies. And that was when I was going door to door. And then eventually I started to work with chapters after I got tired of going door to door. And so just cold, never seen that person before, knock on their door. You tell them their, your story. Exactly. And some people would just say, would just be open to it? 100%. My ratio wow. got so good that if people answer their door, like, if I speak with somebody consistently, I would get one in three people or maybe one in five people to buy the book. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's, really, that's really cool. I, I thought, with a, you know, it's quite a fascinating um, uh, way to go. I decided that, well, of course, you know what, um, I'll, I'll read the book um, because I wanted to talk Thank to you, you about it. And um, Thank you. Is it, is it fair to ask? I don't know if I should. Uh, do you have a favorite character in the book? The first book, Struggles of a Dreamer? Uh, yeah, definitely. Who, who, who was the favorite uh, the character? From her son, Takute. And why, why, is, why, why is he your favorite character? Honestly, because he was a reflection of myself, of the, the person I was and the person that I needed to become to make my dreams happen. And in this case, which is write a book. So, and in case you haven't noticed, is me writing about the experience of having write, um, of going through the process of writing the book. So it's like having the courage to write the book. Uh-huh. So in the process of doing that, I'm inspiring the reader to actually say, you know what? There's a point where there's a char- the character has to take a chance. You know, he has to tell his father that I don't want to pursue being a farmer like you, not because I don't respect being a farmer. It's just because it's not for me. I really want to take this other path. And that there's that pivotal point where you have to decide. 
the battle between a dream and tradition. But mm. the character decides to go for his dream. And that's some place that I was in when I had to decide to write my book. And that was a moment of courage that was needed for myself. And that's why I relate to the character so much. Here's a question, because you mentioned this when you were just talking here. And while I, while I was reading the, the, the book, it was like a story within a story. So it was right. like the, the main story. Um, and there's a story being told within the story. Um, right? Right. And so uh, that was a very like interesting way to um, tell. It's like you're telling several stories. You know what I mean? It's like a dream within right. a dream. Right? Within a dream. Right? Right. Um, so what? Yeah, it's kind of like what, exception. <laughs> what made? Yeah, exactly. So, um, what yeah. made you decide to to, um, to take that approach? Because you know, usually you just write a story. I mean, you can go, you can you can take the story, start from from the middle, and go back to the beginning, and then go to the end, right? But what made you decide to kind of write a story with in that story, telling your telling the story? I wanted. I wanted to um, capture the fact that, well, I guess I wanted to pay homage to some of my experience coming up as an entrepreneur. Um, I learned a lot by listening to people and what they had to say about their story. And uh, coming up as a kid in Nigeria as well, it was all about storytelling. So there was always a lesson to be had in a story. And as with Struggles of a Dreamer, the character had to meet different people along his journey. So I wanted to pay homage to the fact that when you start out on a journey, you're not really on your own. The most important thing is you have to start on that journey. Mm-hmm. Everything else will take care of itself because the experiences that you come across, the people that you meet along the way, it is their story, it is their wisdom that will teach you how to go to the next step and to the next step and to the next step. So I just wanted to pay homage to the fact that nobody really does it on their own. And life is a, seri- a series of one lesson to the next. So every single experience that we have is a story that tells you or that teaches you where you mm-hmm. need to go next, what you need to do, how you need to proceed. So it's just, you know, the series of experience in life that's Mm. how i've been learning as an entrepreneur a lot of people tell stories either directly or indirectly maybe i'm sitting in the audience or i met somebody or i watched a youtube video or something like that i like i would just that's how i would learn and Mm. i find that life is just a story to the next story to the next story and that's how you learn so it's just i wanted to capture that in the character's journey. So you, you started off with the, the homeless person at the beginning of the story, right? And, um, right? and then, you know, obviously the bulk of the story was with uh, Takute. Did I say his name right, Takute? Yeah, right? and it's so, a made-up name, by the way. So it's, you say yeah. it however you say it. Okay, so I mean, yeah. I mean you could have started the story with him, um, but you decided to start with that present day person you know in right. I believe it was New York right was there a reason for right. that yeah it actually happened by accident the intention was to write the intention and for the longest time I had written struggles of the dreamer based on Takute only and that was that my intention is to write the book and just keep it at that and I had started to edit the book with only 
the battle between a dream and tradition. Basically, so the book started on part two, which would have been a part one, inevitably. Yeah. But then I wanted a way to introduce the other character uh, to Kute as the main character. So I wrote the story of T uh, Tunde, the beggar on the streets of New York City, as an afterthought. And that became part one instead. So that in itself, again, goes back to the passing of wisdom. And I got that idea where uh, Tracy Adoal gave Tunde the book, which you as a reader reads with Tunde. And um, I got that idea because at the time I was working at Bay Bloor Extreme Fitness, you know, just young guy trying to learn how to do sales. I uh, was selling membership, gym memberships, and there was always this guy sitting on the corner with his dog. Fancy builders everywhere, shoppers, Gucci stores, whatever. But there was always this one guy mm -hmm. sitting on the store front begging. And I've always thought, maybe I should give him a book. This book that I read, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Oh, but wow. I never did. Ah. And so I was like, I'll just write a book. Well, I'll just write a story about that. So that became the idea for Tunde. But I never consciously planned it. Uh -huh. It's just something that happened in motion as I was writing the book. So that became um, Tunde getting a book from Tracy. So it's not, I wanted to say, I wanted to capture the idea that Tunde could have gotten money like everybody else would give him money, or he could have gotten a story of an experience that would inspire him to want to get up on his own. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to pay homage to that as well, in that the power of wisdom, the power of knowledge. There's no telling how powerful or what impact um, words, positive words, encouraging words can have on somebody. It could be that one word that says, you know, get up. There's two words, but like, or a statement that says, mm -hmm. I believe in you. That's enough to get somebody to say, you know, it's time to make a change. And that was necessary for Tunde. So I wanted to encourage that um, um, in the reader, but also I wanted to encourage that through um, Tracy, who gives a book to Tunde. So that was my way of introducing um, Tunde, I mean, Tokute's story. And that, in essence, led to the completion or to the writing of the second book, Tunde, A Man of Lost Ambition. So if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had. I wouldn't have written the second book, nor would I have written the third book. Uh -huh. Because the second book captures the story of Tunde and what happens to him after having read the book. So he okay, gets on wow. that bus and starts uh -huh. to read the envelope. He reads the letter and he starts to read the book. So the book basically continues right when he gets on that bus. Uh -huh. And then the third book captures the story of what was going on with his wife and son in Nigeria while they were behind. So it's something that just evolved on its own. I never planned to write a second nor a third book. Wow. Heck, I only wow. wanted to write one book. I never planned to be a novelist, but I became one. We're so thankful that you've joined us for the first part of the Genesis Man podcast with Yahaya Barua. While we're not finished speaking with Yahaya, our conversation will continue next time. This is Israel Harriet saying goodbye for now.